What you are about to hear is a labor of love, our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rock Strikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Lady 
Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. And here's a show that I was not planning on doing as of this time last week. Uh, you know, a couple of real sad circumstances and uh, a couple of major passings have happened since our last episode. Last episode was a tribute show. We did it for Martin Birch. Played some great music on there. And lo and behold, we've had two major deaths since then. And since I haven't been doing a lot of Fallen episodes in the last year and change, I feel like I should maybe stay on top of it a bit more on the current side. Also, not, not out of any kind of uh, show obligation, but a personal one. These two deaths were pretty big for me, and one has been a big part of my overall musical journey for my entire life, pretty much, and the other one is more of a recent favorite, honestly, even though uh, they have both been in the business for almost the same amount of time, I think. But let's get to the first one. We're going to pay tribute to two different rock legends here that have both passed on this last week, just once again, just super sad stuff. Uh, so let's start with this first one here. Uh, I was already planning on doing a tribute to Pete Way. Pete Way, of course, was most known for being the bass player for UFO. Played on a lot of other things. And it was only... And I've said this before. I said it on the I Am Vinyl show along with Pete. We, we did a thing for Martin Birch. And weirdly enough, I brought up UFO during the show. And I believe it was uh, that same day or just the day after we recorded it. Uh, Pete Way went and passed away, so it was really weird that I had just brought them up randomly during the show. I was lamenting that I kind of wish Martin Birch had produced some UFO albums, and then he just goes and freaking dies. It was just super weird and it, just strange. That's all I have to say is strange. I, I really I got into Pete Way and the music of UFO just in the last decade, starting off pretty much around 08, 09, somewhere around there, and been a real big fan ever since i give a lot of credit to michael butler of the rock and roll geek show pete way was his musical hero and uh, he's definitely broken up about it and i really feel for michael for sure uh you know it's it sounds like the equivalent of you know alice cooper dying for me which uh, i hope that's still a long ways away from happening uh, but all that being said we did kick off the show here with out in the street from force it cool record by the way you know, all those initial UFO albums, they really don't have a lot of bad albums. Uh, but those those classic albums from the mid to late 70s and even those early 80s albums, they're all completely worth it at the risk of sounding like Eddie Trunk. But And for those of my hipster friends out there that might be listening, the album cover for Force It, those two people that are making out in the shower, those are actually members of Throbbing Gristle. There you go. Fun fact for you right there. Uh, but yeah, I really like that song a lot. Gonna just play a handful of personal favorite UFO songs. I'm not gonna play any Wasted or anything like that. And Wasted's a really cool band, but this is just what I have at my disposal right here and just kind of knocking the show out pretty quick. So we're gonna do all UFO to pay tribute to Pete Way. And the second half, we're gonna pay tribute to the now late great Frankie Benali. Uh, well, let's get back into the music here. I, I, I don't know if I'm gonna have a lot to say on this episode. Uh, just that th these are big losses and it's it affected me pretty hard. So I hope you enjoy their music. I hope you give their stuff a shot if you never have in the past. Uh, so yeah, this one is definitely easily in my top five UFO songs ever. Also further proof that not just for hard rock, but just, you know, rock and roll in general, 
This is such a well-constructed song. Uh, I love the music on this. It's just really cool stuff right here, as you'll hear. So uh, check this one out. From UFO, this is I'm a Loser. Trying to make the evening move so 
Okay, snuck in a twofer right there, but I just wanted to keep the music going. That was Love to Love from the classic Lights Out record. A lot of critic lists and fan lists, they may only include Lights Out on like an essential album list, but a handful more of those UFO albums should definitely be on any rock list worth its weight or have any kind of merit at all. So pick up what you can, not just Lights Out, but Lights Out is very stellar. It definitely deserves the praise that it gets. I'm just saying it's kind of like the Beach Boys and Pet Sounds. There's other albums that are definitely worth your time. So yeah, I mean, a song like Love to Love definitely puts that forward. Of course, the title track, Lights Out, uh, of the billion versions of Alone Again or that's one of the better ones that you'll ever hear is on there. The Damned still did the best version of Alone Again or, in my opinion, but UFOs is very good too. So yeah, a little twofer right there. And once again, I'm a loser preceding that from No Heavy Petting. Just uh, another really great record. I'm going to just say that over and over again. That's another reason why I'm doing the twofers, because I don't have a lot to elaborate on, especially on the Pete Way thing. I've just been really enjoying the music uh, that Pete did, especially with UFO. I haven't read any books on him. haven't read a ton of articles on him. I know he lived a really crazy rock and roll cliched lifestyle in a, in a lot of ways. Apparently he lasted longer than a lot of people would have given him credit for, so good on you, man. Uh, but, man, your music is excellent. So let's just keep it going here. And not that there's not some heavy rock and stuff on the songs I've been playing, but it looks like I tend to lean into more of the uh, harmonious... Slightly mellow, but you know, it's like mellow to mad, especially on a song like Love to Love right there. It's like basically a ballad, but it builds up into this just epic rock track. And God, I gotta mention how great Michael Shanker is on these tracks as well. I mean, there's a reason why he's one of the most influential guitar players of all time. Just smokes and just being grouped with somebody like Pete Way on the bass and the great Phil Mogg, of course. I mean, everybody, everybody's just so on point in that band. I think the tightness is what really puts them over the top. They're not just this average hard rock band. And this is another one of those kind of like, it's not just typical hard rock. It's it's a little bit melodic, but it definitely kicks in there. Uh, and this has just been one of my favorites since I first heard it. Also in my top five UFO songs. So let's uh, get into this one right here. From the Obsession album, this is Cherry.
Keeping things rocking and rolling right there with Cherry. Great song right there. Great song. In my top UFO songs of all time. And this one, you know, I actually didn't plan on playing this one initially, but then I had that kind of like, oh my gosh, like light bulb kind of moment. And, you know, this definitely would have been something I would have done as I maybe play some catch up on, uh, you know, some fallen episodes where I play a mix of people that have passed away. Like I said, it's been a long time since I've done one of these, at least a year or so. At least it feels like it. But, you know, I figured, hey, I'm paying tribute to Pete Way right here, and I, I shouldn't gloss over the fact that Paul Chapman, who was actually Michael Schenker's replacement in UFO uh, right as the uh, 80s kicked off, you know, he passed away at the beginning of this summer. So I figured it was apropos that I play something here off of the No Place to Run album. Uh, it came out in 1980, and much like Cheap Trick in 1980, also had an album produced by George Martin. Really interesting right here. And this is a really cool record once again, so I should definitely play this. This is a double tribute now to the now late great Paul Chapman and of course Pete Way. And, and I realize I definitely could have done a legit entire episode or even two dedicated to Pete Way, but I just wanted to get some sort of tribute out there. So uh, here you go, finishing off the first half of this show and as it stands my tribute to pete way and also rest in peace to paul chapman we're going to close off this segment right here with the song this fire burns tonight
Closing off the first half of this show as a tribute to Pete Way and a little mini tribute right there to Paul Chapman. That was This Fire Burns Tonight from No Place to Run by UFO. And the other reason I included that song in particular, not that it's not a great track because it's a really cool rock track, but also because Paul Chapman co-wrote that song with Phil Mogg. So I figured, you know, I would want a song that I actually wrote to be part of my tribute if I ever was that kind of guy. That's just me, but... Yeah, hope you liked that. And we're going to get into the second half of the show right here. This one is so fresh, and it really inspired me to actually just start recording because uh, when I woke up today, I definitely had planned on, you know, working on a Pete Way tribute, but also I was getting into the long-promised Best of 2005 countdown, and I pretty much have all the tracks lined up, but this one really hit me hard. Like I said, not that the Pete Way one isn't a big loss, in the overall grand scheme of things, it might be bigger than the one that I'm about to do right now, but this isn't any kind of popularity contest, especially on Rock Strikes 10. But going all the way back to my earliest memories of music and really the gateway to me being a huge fan of hard rock and subsequently heavy metal uh, with this one particular act and in 1983, I, you know, definitely was into pop music and rock and roll music and things such as that. A lot of Top 40. I still love me some Top 40 from that particular era, especially, you know, big into like, you know, Huey Lewis and big into Prince. Huge on Prince even at that time. Uh, but a couple of bands came along in 83, 84 that I heard and they changed my taste forever and for the better in my opinion. And, you know, I still loved my pop music, but, man, I had this thing over here. I was like, man, this stuff is so good. It's so fun. It's the music of youth. It's the music of just, you know, life. Like, it's just, it pumps you up, gets the blood boiling. And there's three particular acts that were as important as any of the other ones I'm going to mention here. They were all tied for first as, like, my bands at this time. And it was Van Halen, Twisted Sister and Quiet Riot. Quiet Riot definitely had their moment in the sun. Uh, not just like a 15 minutes of fame thing, but they will forever be etched in the annals of hard rock and heavy metal history because they're the first band of that nature to have a number one album. They actually topped the album charts in an epic stellar year of monster albums like Thriller, Still Riding High, Sports, Pyromania, Synchronicity. Matter of fact, the album that unseated Synchronicity on the charts was Metal Health by Quiet Riot. And I love all those records mentioned. Well, not so much Thriller anymore, for obvious reasons. But Metal Health is such an important album, and Quiet Riot is a massively important band for me. Uh, I will definitely still defend those initial three albums from that particular era. You know, obviously I was made aware of the Japanese-only releases later on, the stuff that Randy Rhodes played on, but Metal Health and to a slightly lesser extent Condition Critical and QR3, which I actually like more. Uh, Metal Health is a key record. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. Still to this day, I can listen to the whole thing. It makes me happy. It takes me back to that particular place, and that's what good music will do. So less than an hour from me recording this, hearing that Frankie Benali had passed away. And Frankie Benali was not the founder of Quiet Riot, but he became the patriarch of Quiet Riot for sure. And, you know, Kevin DeBro was in there first. But once he came into the band during the mental health era, 
uh, he never left the band. They, there was never another Quiet Riot album or tour without Frankie Benali at the drum. So he became the de facto leader in the band. And, you know, I guess he wound up owning the name after a while. And anything that was produced, you know, whether it was an album or tour or the documentary that came out, that was all under Frankie Benali's watch. So he was the guy that really kept the name alive for better or worse. Uh, and even after Kevin DeBro passed away. And I've never done a proper tribute to Kevin DeBro on the show. But, you know, that team of DeBro and Benali and what they did. And of course, can't forget about Carlos Cavazzo and Rudy Sarzo. I'm always going to love those guys because they steered me in the path of being a heavy metal rocker. And I still actually have the uh, that famous DeBro Cavazzo poster. You see it in the sleeve of the first Weezer album also. That poster, it's still hanging up in the studio and I'm always facing it as I do every one of these episodes. It's right there. So, once again, Quiet Riot was a big band for me. And I even got to tell Rudy Sarzo that Come On, Feel the Noise, not the first 45 I ever owned, but it's like the first one I really wore out. And it was in my like handful of first initial 45s that were like mine, really. So I played the shit out of that 45. And I was one of those kids, I didn't just play the A-side. I played the B-side just as much. If I was playing the A-side, I always flipped it over to the B-side. And I couldn't listen to the A-side again until I played the B-side. So I think one of the songs I need to really put on this tribute to Frankie Benali, and just kind of putting over the fact that his drums are just godlike on Metal Health. Like, whoever engineered that record made him sound like a beast. I mean, everybody that played on this album or sang on this album, their their things were just turned up to that proverbial 11 and everybody sounds great on this record. But, you know, Frankie really tears it up on this track. So it's an important song for me anyway. So I got to kick off the Frankie Benali tribute here with what was the B-side for Come On, Fill the Noise and a great album track on the classic Metal Health record. This is Run For Cover. Turn it up. Watch out!
Okay, right there, man. And not not that it's difficult stuff there in that breakdown, but like I said, those drums, man, they just sound amazing. Like just shy of Bonham-esque right there. So yeah, Run for Cover, so cool. The drums are really highlighted on that track, so I think that was a good one to pick. To kickstart off our tribute here to the late, great Frankie Benali, Cancer Sucks, man. And, you know, I'll get a little deep here without, like, breaking down here, hopefully. I, I remember, you know, I'm of a certain age, and, you know, we all watched, like, every episode of Behind the Music when they came out. And even kind of when the bloom was off the rose, and they started getting into bands that maybe weren't as big, you know, like they weren't doing Fleetwood Mac anymore or something like that. But they did do one on Quiet Riot, and I really enjoyed that episode. And really just because of Frankie, you know, in all of these shows, it's a lot more tabloid-esque, you know, and that's of course what sells. But Frankie was one of the first guys on any of those shows that to me came off as kind of like a real human being and sympathetic. You know, he wasn't a rock star. He just happened to play on great records, but he seemed like he had both feet on the ground. And it was really him talking about his mother, the relationship he had with his mother. And it always stuck with me. I could still remember exactly what he said on that episode. Like, as soon as I got my first royalty checks for mental health, whatever my mom needed, I did. Uh, she needed her driveway paved. I did it. I did it twice. You know, I, she needed a new car done, you know, house, whatever, whatever needed doing that I could do to take care of my mom. That That's a real traditional family man. And it's probably that, that hardcore Italian family mentality that I'm, I'm actually pretty jealous of because I don't have that in my family. But yeah, I mean, it just stuck with me. He seemed like a real genuine dude, a real human being. So talent and apparently a, a ton of integrity uh, as a human being at least so that speaks a lot to me so let's continue the tribute here and you know i didn't have much to say about condition critical and as much as i loved mental health weirdly enough i wasn't really steered into buying condition critical i don't know why i never owned it as a kid like for the longest time i got it like way later and you know i heard like some of the songs but i don't know why i just never Got the album initially. I was part of the problem. I was part of the sophomore sales slump, I guess. And I, I'm sorry. And not that it's even remotely like as good of an album as Metal Health. It's definitely a drop-off. But there are some highlights on there. And there's some real fun party tracks on there. And this one, of course, has the great video attached to it. You know, I, I really wasn't into Mama We're All Crazy Now initially. I like it a little more now. And I didn't even realize that these were Slade covers at the time either. So I didn't care. So that, that shit doesn't really matter in the long run. It's just something to pick on. But there were a couple of fun tracks on Condition Critical, and this is definitely one of them. And you gotta probably watch it with the video to really get the best possible enjoyment out of this. But I still love it. And the way DeBro says it, it just it does kind of crack me up. So it's cheesy as hell, but I fucking love it. So here you go. Continuing our tribute to Frankie Benali, this is Party All Night.
All right, Party All Night from Condition Critical. Not even remotely sorry for playing that. Does anybody remember the Quiet Riot comes to your house on Christmas to play a concert and like hang out and shit at your house on Christmas, that, that MTV contest? Does anybody remember that? God, I wanted to enter that so bad. I was five and I remember that happening. And like, like they come to your house. They probably don't play, but they come to your house and you get like hundreds of dollars worth of stereo equipment and shit like that. But yeah, go look up those commercials like on YouTube. It's something else. And, you know, MTV, how great was MTV back in the day with those kind of weird ass contests? Go to see Asia in Asia. Go to see Tom Petty in Egypt. Like, uh, they were the best. God, man, the, the, the pre-corporate MTV is one of the greatest things that ever happened ever, in my opinion. Uh, but getting back to the Frankie Benali tribute here, and also kind of speaking of MTV, I was actually really upset and disappointed at the time that they didn't really continue to push some of the artists that helped make them famous. Like when Twisted Sister put out Come Out and Play, and then Quiet Riot put out QR3, it seemed like they kind of turned their backs on them. Like, I know they would get play, like, on, you know, Heavy Metal Mania or whatever that was, the metal shop shows and whatever that D. Snyder would host. I didn't have MTV at the time, but I used to see it at my friend's house. But, you know, I know that those records didn't sell that well, and the lack of MTV play, I think, definitely had a major effect on it. And I'll definitely defend Come Out and Play, and I will actually defend most of QR3. It's a better record than Condition Critical, and, you know, for some people it suffers that thing that happened in 86, especially like what Maiden did on Somewhere in Time and Judas Priest did on Turbo. There's more keys on it. It's more pop. But man, I love 86 pop metal. It's one of my favorite things that ever happened. I love all those records and QR3 is no exception. And, you know, even with all that going on, even though they kind of brought down some of the overall sound, Frankie still sounded amazing on QR3. His drums are still peaked out, and I love hearing those records. And that's one of the main reasons I still love hearing those records. That intro to Wild and the Young, just hearing him kick it off, I love all that shit. And I'm sure Cobras and Fire have already tuned out to this show because they, they always trash Quiet Riot, but you guys are wrong. You're, you're, you're just wrong, especially on these albums, especially on Metal Health and QR3. But... Uh, this one I just like a lot. I think it's a really catchy song, and it's proof that there are good tracks on QR3. So I'm going to play the kickoff track from QR3, continuing our Frankie Benali tribute. And we're going to finish off the Quiet Riot era for Frankie right here. And a good way to go out, in my opinion. It's pop, but it's also hard rock and a little bit of metal. This is Main Attraction.
All right, finishing off the Rock Strikes 10 tribute to Frankie Benali, at least from the Quiet Riot era. That was main attraction from QR3 from the magical year of 1986. A year so magical it gave birth to my lovely wife and some of the best music ever. Okay, and obviously, like I said, Frankie Benali continued to do Quiet Riot for pretty much the rest of his life. I actually don't hate that Paul Shirtino, short no, however, how do you say that? Bassinger? Okay. I don't hate that album like everybody else does. It's not great. It's not on par with the DeBro stuff. I mean, it's like the difference between Blaze Bailey and Bruce Dickinson. They just don't have the same pipes. And as kind of like a piggyback tribute to Kevin DeBro, uh, one of the handful of voices, I will say, that was absolutely irreplaceable in the annals of rock and roll in general. There are bands that went on to have replacement singers that did pretty well. But there are those bands that have those certain singers you just cannot replace. Once the fans hear that voice, just nothing else will do. You can't even make that argument in Van Halen or ACDC or even Black Sabbath that Kevin DeBro, his voice was one of a kind, really, in a lot of ways. Yeah, he definitely had influence, you know, with Ronnie Lane and Steve Marriott, people like that. And he wouldn't tell you Naughty Holder, but you can hear it. It's there. It is. Uh, but his, his voice was one of a kind. It's like a Rod Stewart. You know, you can't replace that voice either. So, yeah, I mean, big ups to Kevin DeBro. He was definitely an important figure in rock history. He just alienated and blacklisted himself out of the industry, sadly. And he made stupid decisions in his life, both uh, personal and professional. So it, it's unfortunate. Frankie Benali stayed in the business and did pretty well for himself and got tons of work and one of his other really notable gigs was working for Wasp. Whenever it seemed like Wasp was kind of imploding they came back really strong by the end of the 80s with some of their most fan and critically lauded albums ever. I mean, Headless Children and The Crimson Idol are still massively just heralded to this day especially by fans but even their harshest of critics can't say that there's anything really wrong with those records. Especially Headless Children. People love that album. Randy Brown loves that album. And Randy is a very picky gatekeeper. And I love Randy. And I love the Synaptic. Uh, but like, that's further proof right there. So uh, Frankie Benali gets the gig playing for Wasp. And good for him. He played on some really cool Wasp albums that people should definitely know. Obviously, the earlier albums prior to Frankie joining the band uh, sold more records and things such as that, and the tours are really successful, but you should pretty much go look up every album of Wasp that Frankie Benali played on. I mentioned those albums, and I, I've got two songs left to play, otherwise it's not Rock Strikes 10, it's something else. So it was really hard to narrow this down, because obviously I needed to pay tribute to Quiet Riot and what Frankie did for that band. And also further proof that this should have been its own episode. But, you know, like I said, I, I panicked and I did this one episode today. Just, it's spur of the moment. Bear with me. And I've basically been going in chronological order for this whole thing. But I'm going to close off this show with a twofer from Frankie Benali's era of Wasp. But I'm going to go, like, forward and then backwards. And I, I wanted to point out an album that I think is super, super underappreciated in the Wasp catalog. And Frankie played on it, even though he's not really known as the main drummer on the album. He plays on half of the damn record. So I wanted to spotlight the Unholy Terror album. Nobody gives it up for that album, but that album is pretty damn strong. 
So I'm going to play my favorite song off of that, which coincidentally just happened to have Frankie playing on it. Because it was one of those things I actually had to look it up and be like, did he play on this track? Because I know he only plays on half the record. But thankfully he does play on my favorite song on Unholy Terror. And then we're going to close out with this epic uh, of Wasps. And, you know, it, that it's a great song. Even like the harshest critic of Wasp probably couldn't say anything bad about the song I'm going to close off with. But I'll leave that as a bit of a surprise. Uh, but we're going to kick things off with a twofer with kind of a more obvious uh, style that Wasp is known for. And that's just heavy extreme metal right here. So here we go. We're going to kick off this Frankie Benali Wasp twofer right here with You Hate to Love Me.
That last one's dedicated to everybody right there. Whether you're listening or you're part of this tribute show and you're no longer with us, that was for everyone. Forever Free, such a beautiful song. I, I think it's great. And I hope you think that this show did some justice to the memories of all the people that I mentioned. Uh, Paul Chapman, Pete Way, Kevin Debro, Frankie Benali. You're all missed. And you contributed quite a bit uh, to my musical journey and to a lot of other people's. And we are forever grateful. That's for damn sure. So hope you enjoyed this. Uh, we're going to try to attempt to get back to the fun here, starting with the next episode, the long-awaited Best of 2005 Countdown. I've already tracked it. It's ready to go. And you'll be hearing it shortly. So stay tuned for everything here and all the other shows, of course, on cnjradio.com. But you'll definitely hear those plugs from a more pleasant voice and vessel. So stay tuned for my better half, Nola, and the best outro song in the whole damn business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message us for more details or to order. U.S. or APO boxes only. For now. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all of the episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, please check out our other quality shows, including The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock, with Joey and the great Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast, with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. <laughs>